Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But how do you really follow someone? Is that a decision that you make or a direction that you go? Who is the world following? Do they even know? Maybe the bigger question, maybe the more important one is who are you following? Jesus says to you, follow me. Once again, welcome everyone to the 11 o'clock service at Church on the Rock, Dallas. We're so glad you all are here. We all survived Easter and the, all the crazy schedules and everything that was going on last week. But I, I'm just going to start off right strong from the beginning here. Let me just start off this morning by saying, I want you to hear me, God has more for your life. Now, normally I will try and tell a funny story or I'll give work up to that. But man, this morning I just felt like just... I told Jesse we're like swinging for the fences right away. Let me tell you again, God has more for your life. He has more for you. I want you to even just maybe even close your eyes for just one second and just hear me for one second. You have not experienced all that God has for you. I want you to receive that right now. Just This is like even maybe even a prophetic word to come to you that you will hear me. You have not experienced yet all that God has for you. God has more for your life. You can open your eyes now. The path that God has for you, I want to tell you this morning, maybe you've never thought of it like this. The path that he has for you, it isn't for God. It isn't for all the things that you would say that you would think. It's like, I've got my things that I'll enjoy, and then there's the stuff of God over here. Everything that God has for you, it's for you. It's for you to enjoy. Can I tell you? It's all about you. Everything that God gives you in the words of the Bible, and even as Amber wrote in the letter that she's reading in the one-year Bible that we're reading through as a church, and it's on our app if you want to follow along with us. It's all about you. All the things that Jesus is telling us, all the stories we see, all the, the, the cautionary tales that we read in the Bible, like, oh gosh, I don't want to do that. You know, it's all about you. Last week's message, we looked at that the life of Jesus was all about love. That's the center focus. And here's a couple of scriptures we looked at last week. And most people know this one. John three sixteen. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish. In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Of course, last week was Easter and the Resurrection Sunday, and we talked a lot about that in the, the, the burial and the resurrection and all of that stuff. But this morning, I want you to kind of put yourself in the Bible, and that's the thing that's really been like super special to me is, it's real easy just to read a novel. It's real easy to read the Bible and to think, oh, well, that's a crazy story or that's for them. But put yourself in the Bible that that was you. And you haven't read the end yet, so you don't know how it's going to turn out. Think about this. Jesus came along. They haven't heard anything from God in 400 years. So not your parents, not your grandparents, not your great-grandparents. You keep going back 400 years. Nobody had heard a word from God. They're just kind of doing everything. Monday looks like Tuesday, looks like Wednesday, looks like Thursday. And here Jesus walks up to these guys out fishing, doing their job, and says, Hey, come follow me. 
And he had this attraction to him. He had this ability to speak and communicate that he may, they actually got up and left what they were doing, all that they knew because they felt there was some connection with him. Then they had this incredible journey. They grew in their own personal lives and interpersonal skills and all the crazy stuff we read in the, the Gospels. And their journey was just amazing, this whirlwind of all the different events. And, you know, Jesus become more and more notorious, and thousands of people are coming, and here they're, they're the guys with him. And then it ends, as we saw last week, in him being arrested and then tried and then crucified and, and then buried. And it's like... What happened here? I mean, we were on a great run. I mean, everything was going great. I mean, we're the great guys that we're, we're hanging out with Jesus. Yeah, we're the Jesus followers. We got going on. Now they, they took our main guy and they crucified him out for everybody to see. And, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And they, they found themselves going, now what? What were they expecting See, they were just following along, just kind of like in the whirlwind of everything, just following Jesus like a little puppy dog, like, I'm following you, I'm right behind you, whatever you're doing, and all of a sudden, he's dead. Where would they go? What are they going to do? We find in John chapter 20, verse 19, we pick up kind of where last Sunday left off. See, their expectation is they're next. They're thinking, man, we're scared, we're hiding, we're going to go... Get out of the limelight. We don't want anybody to say, hey, isn't that the Jesus? Nope, not me. Uh-uh, no, 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 you got somebody else. Says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. I love this because the image I get in my mind is those crazy people who have like six locks, you know, and they got to do it like 700 times when they go to bed. You know what I mean? It's really, really locked and fortified because they were scared. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They're afraid that the same people that crucified Jesus, they're next. So they got all this stuff locked up, and then I love this. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. See, Jesus in his renewed body, he didn't need to go open that door. He didn't need to knock on somebody. He just showed up in there. But can you imagine, put yourself in the Bible. You're sitting there, you've gone through this whole whirlwind, and you're scared, and you're like, oh my gosh, shaking, and all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up? Can you imagine, you're just at your apartment, you're doing dishes, and, and you just got this, and maybe you're watching TV, and all of a sudden, it's like, boom, Jesus is there in your living room, and he's right there beside you. And I love what he said. He goes, peace to you. And he showed them, and he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw their Lord. And he said again, peace be with you. Now here's where I want you to really kind of get where I'm starting to take the plan off now. As the Father has sent me, so I sending you. So I am sending you. Now, I've heard this scripture so many times growing up in the church, and it's, it's wonderful, and it's a great thing to quote and, and memorize and all this stuff, but I really saw a transition here that I'd never saw before. Jesus shows up when they're sitting there shaking and fearful, going, we don't know what we're supposed to do next, and he goes, just as you now know that the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And as I was reading through this and preparing the message, I thought it was really, really cool because the last thing we saw last week was he breathed his last breath and he said, Father, I commend my spirit to you. Breathed his last breath and he was dead. The next place we see him breathing is he's breathing over there and he's saying, hey, receive 
the Holy Spirit. And, and so much of the time today, we don't really focus on the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the third part of the, of the Godhead. And we're going to be doing that coming up in the, in the weeks to come. I've got some great plans for you with that. But I thought it was really cool that in his last breath, he's saying, God, I give my spirit over to you. And the next thing he's saying is, hey, receive the Holy Spirit. And I would tell you that today, God is still saying, Jesus is still saying, receive the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. So we can be that tangible experience. And in fact, that's my prayer. When you come to church, that you don't hear me preach. You don't hear us singing. You're not greeted by someone great at the door. But you are encountered with the presence of God and the Spirit of God. Now, many of you know me and you know all about me. But I like to say that I'm a pastor by day and an Uber driver by night. And that's kind of like my two hats that I wear, and I wear more than two hats, but those are the two we're talking about this morning. But as I'm driving at Uber at night, now I've lived in Dallas for a long time. I went to Bible college here. We've been back here for six years. So I know where the roads go. I know how it all goes, but I live on my GPS. I plug in, everybody gets in there. Even if I know where they're going, I still put it in there. Why? Because I've learned that that GPS knows more than I do. And I tell everybody, in fact, that she's my second wife. And I, it's a female voice, so I say it's a she. I tell everybody it's my second wife. She tells me where to go all night long, and she's always right. One guy says, you don't really tell your wife that, right? And I'm like, I do, in fact. I think my wife is awesome. And there's times that I think I know a better way. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you, you got, you've got to be wrong. This, no, I'll go this way. And how many of you know that you'll get, like, maybe a few minutes into the journey, and you're like, Oh, so that's why she didn't want me to go this way. There was a construction, there was a crash, or they've got all this stuff going on. See, I can't see what's ahead, but through technology, she knows what's going on. There was this, uh, an event I actually had a couple of years ago that I, I was, we were still living in Capel at the time, and I got an Uber call, and I went and picked this guy up. He's an ER doctor. He needed to get to Denton, and it was the ice storm of all ice storms that we had here, you may remember, and I just heard on the radio that the Louisville Bridge was solid ice, and there's 12 wrecks on that bridge at that moment, and he's like, I need to get to Denton, and I'm like, I don't know what in the world. I'm like, we can't take that bridge because it's locked down and there's 12 crashes on it. It's like, this is crazy. So I plugged it in my little GPS and she took us over the hills and through the valleys. And I'm pretty sure we went through somebody's yard a couple of times, but we got there. It took us an hour, but we got there and she brought us out right underneath the overpass, went right underneath there and there was the ER. And he's like, I would have never believed this could happen. You see, we have to trust the process. But can I tell you something about Jesus and and the whole story that we read about Jesus? It wasn't only about Jesus. Now, now, hold on. Don't like think I'm a heretic right now. Don't start throwing things at me yet. But the whole process, the journey, the story of Jesus wasn't just about Jesus. But it was also completely about the transformation of the disciples to what happened to them. Jesus showing up and saying, follow me. What happened in them as they're around Jesus and ultimately what happened through them. In John chapter 2, verse 22, now let me just tell you a little bit about the book of John in the Bible. It is written several years later, a bunch of years actually, after Jesus was here. And he doesn't do what we would call a good job of putting it all in order. 
So here we were just looking in chapter 20 where Jesus was crucified and they were all here. Here in chapter 2, he's talking about events that happened after that. So he's writing this in hindsight. He's kind of looking back at it. But I want you to see what he says here. Verse 22, he says, after he, Jesus, was raised from the dead, after. So he's putting it after where we just saw that whole thing. His disciples recalled what he'd said. Now, I think this was where he talked about later that they're in that room and they're sitting there shaking going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we, what are we going to do next? And I mean, I'm scared to death that we're the next guys that are going to try and crucify up there. Should we leave? Should we move? Should we do all this? And Jesus shows up in that locked room and just like appears and they're like, they recalled what he said. Now, what happened when he left? I bet you they were still sitting there going, man, remember when Jesus did this? And remember when Jesus said that? And here's what I want you to see. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Then they believed. They'd been with him for three stinking years. They'd been with him through all these things. They'd seen the 5,000 people um, fed and you know from these this little bitty one plate that would have been for this one little kid fed 5,000 plus all the women and the children it's probably closer to 12,000 people I mean it's just a miracle they saw the dead people raised they saw you know all these crazy things happened and then they believed see it took them through the whole process and then reflecting upon it to come back and go everything he said came out the way he said can I tell you that that's the same way for us? Sometimes we get introduced to Jesus and some things we read in the Bible like, I don't know if I can believe that. How in the world is that even possible? And, and the reality of what God has for you is so different than what your life looks like that it isn't even believable. Can I suggest to you that just like I have to trust my GPS... And just like I have to go, I don't think that's the right way to go. Even though I say, I think I know better than this little technology thing. It's very often the same way in our lives. Jesus says, I want you to do this. We read in the Bible, we feel a tug to do this change in our life. You're like, I don't know. That's not what I'm used to. And I, I don't think so, and that didn't sound right to me, and I don't know anybody that did it like that. And at the end, we're going to go, oh, I understand. But there's two sides that I understand. There's the I understand looking back and go, thank God I listened to him. Or there's the other side is like, oh, I wish I had listened to him. I tell you which one we should be on. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, the same Spirit of God, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as Christ, God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living inside of you. So when you accept Christ into your heart and you say, I'm going to step out in faith and trust God. I don't even have to believe it, understand it all. It's not all going like, to register and make sense in my head. I'm just going to step out in that faith. That same Spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And just as, the same way, can I tell you another way? The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. The Spirit of God or the amount of the Spirit of God or the power of God that it took to raise Jesus from the dead 
It was never intended to just be a holiday. It wasn't just about Easter bunnies and chocolate bunnies and they're good to eat. But, you know, it wasn't just about an event. It wasn't about going, way to go, Jesus. Man, you did that good. I mean, I'm glad you took the the cross and you did all this for us. Rah, 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 Jesus. But it's about the power. He's giving us an example. Just as God raised him, he will give life to you. Do you have things in your life that are dead? In the same way, the power of the Holy Spirit came and brought Jesus back. The dead that was Jesus is there for the dead areas in our life. Those dead relationships, those dead situations, those dead, you fill in the blank. That area that's dead, you look at that and go, oh, I wish that were different. See, it was never meant to just be an event. But it's really interesting to me. Jesus started off his ministry by going to the disciples as they're working, and there are all these different places, and most of them are out fishing, and, and, and he goes to them and says, hey, come and follow me. And they left, and they came with him. He met them while they're working, and there's a story that he's, he's going out to some of them, and he's going to invite them to be his disciples, the tw- one of the 12. And they were out there. They're fishermen, and they're, they're toiling, and they've fished all night long. They're night people like I am. And it's morning. The sun's coming up, and they're just tired, and they're exhausted, and they're pulling up. And here Jesus is with them, and he goes, man, you guys didn't catch anything today. How about you throw your nets on the other side of the, of the boat? Okay. Let's think about this for a second. So, first of all, he's the preacher. He's not a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. I've been doing this all my life. My daddy's a fisherman. My granddaddy's a fisherman. And we know fishing. The preacher's going to tell us how to fish? Come on. Okay? But the other side of that is, the net was on this side and we didn't catch anything. What makes you think there's more fish on this side of the boat than there was on this side of the boat? Okay? That just doesn't make any sense to anybody. But, okay, let's humor Jesus. So they took their nets and they threw them on the other side and the story goes that so many fish got in there that it was sinking their ship. They had to call for their other ships to come and they come and they're all like taking on the load and they're like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? Who is this preacher that tells us to do this? And how is that even possible? I've never seen anything like this. And they get to the shore and he tells them, he goes, I want you to leave that whole harvest. I want you to leave all of that. Follow me. And they're like blown minds going, oh my gosh, we got to follow him. Then they go through this whirlwind experience with Jesus. They have this abrupt ending. And now they're sitting there wondering, what's next? What am I supposed to do now? And Jesus shows up in that room. Right after that, we see in John chapter 21, I believe that they're sitting in their frustrated, still going, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I mean, it was cool to see Jesus and all, and, and he's, he, uh, he said, we're supposed to be sent like God sent him, and I don't really understand. And, and I love some of the humor that's in the Bible. Verse 3, Simon Peter says, well, I'm going fishing. And, and I mean, he's a fisherman. That's all he's known all of his life. And I believe he's like, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to go fishing. And I love that. They go, well, we'll come too. 
Like, we're going to get, in, we're just going to come with you because we don't know what to do. We're just hiding out in here. Jesus showed up and that was cool and all, but I still really don't know what to do. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out to them from far away. He says, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. I mean, can't you see him? They're out in the boat. You can't see who's on the thing. He's like, ah, and they're replying back to him. And then he says, verse 6, then throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. Well, again, does that make any sense to you? Don't you think they'd say, well, if that was going to work, we'd have thought of that. We'd do that all the time. And so they did. And again, they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. In. And it was so an amazing thing that they're like, look, it is the Lord. They couldn't make out who it was, but by, they, he took them back to that time when he called them. He said, follow me. Now, that same story is reenacted with them, and they're just out there trying to pull their hair out, maybe just trying to find some just peace and quiet out on the water. And the same thing happens to them. And it says, if you continue reading, and they did, Peter just threw on his, his um, overcoat, and he jumped in the water, and he swam. And everybody's trying to get to Jesus really quick. And Jesus has made a fire on the, on the thing. He goes, hey, bring some of that fish over here, and let's have breakfast. And he's talking to them, and he continues to talk to them. And he turns to Peter, and he goes, Peter, do you love me? Peter goes, Lord, you know I do. He goes, then feed my lambs. What? Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you with my entire heart and everything inside of me. I want you to take care of my sheep. Huh? I'm a fisherman. What are you talking about livestock? I don't know what. Jesus asked him again. He goes, Peter, do you love me? With all my heart. Feed my sheep. He continues on to talk to them. And then he says the most profound thing. He says, follow me. What? We've been following you from... For three years now. I mean, we started, you came, and it's like we just saw, I mean, we were out there fishing, you came and said, follow me, and we've been following you. Why are you telling me to follow you now and do this stuff with the sheep? Jesus is trying to teach them the transition that is going on here. And give us an example today. See, it wasn't good for God to send Jesus. The plan wasn't for Jesus. Everything is going great in heaven. The plan was, the reason why God sent Jesus was for whoever would believe. He sent Jesus for me. It was for you. Jesus is still finding people and asking them to follow me. But follow me isn't only an event. That moment when you say, Jesus, I'm going to step out and trust you. I'm going to follow you. But it is also an action. This past week was when I commemorated my spiritual birthday. It was April the 5th, 44 years ago that I accepted Christ. And I want to tell you that story really quickly. Grew up in a country church out in the middle of fields just the main highway that's running along there. And my ancestors helped put that church together and start that church. And my great-grandfather was one of the, the people. He would thump you on the head if you weren't doing right. And, you know, and some of my great-uncles were all the ones that helped start it and everything. 
going to this church, and it's a Friday night. We'd have a revival. And the crazy thing when I think back at it is here we are in this country Baptist church, and the only people that are there are the people that were there on Sunday. We came every night for the revival thinking other people are going to get saved, and I don't really understand how we thought that was going to work. But we're there, and we're having this revival, and the evangelist we brought in is, is preaching, and, and, and he's just going for it. And then he does the altar call, and he goes down, he stands in front, and he says, now come talk to me if you want to give your heart to the Lord. And I, I felt called to go pray, so I went to the corner, and the, the stairs go down, and I I just knelt down in this little seven-year-old body. I'm, I'm just sitting there praying. I remember it like it's yesterday. And I'm praying, Jesus, please cause people to come to know you. And just like that, I felt him. First time I heard God speak to me. He says, I want you. See, that's my version of him saying, follow me. That was an event I went back to my mom and they'd already closed out the, the service because, you know, everybody was there that was there on Sunday and it's just the same people. They already knew Jesus and you don't like make that thing go on very long because everybody already knows Jesus. They were already mingling, talking to themselves like we will in just a few minutes. And I went and tugged on my mom's shirt and I said, Mom, and I was really an annoying kid when I was younger, you know, and just rambunctious and all over the place. And I'm sure she's like, oh my gosh, what is it now? And I said... Jesus said he wants me. So she went up to the front with me and we got to the evangelist and took me to the back and there's little um, pews back there where the preachers can sit while the service is going on. And right there he knelt and he asked me some questions and he led me in a prayer. See, that was an event that changed my life. And every year I commemorate that. In fact, I wish I could count that as my years old instead of my actual birthday, but that's a whole other thing. Um, I commemorate because that changed my life. But can I tell you, he's still asking me the action part of that, the same way he asked the disciples, follow me. But you see, it isn't just about me making that decision and say, okay, I did that, I checked that box off, and now I can go do whatever I want to. But there is still that tugging in my heart that now has turned like the disciples and says, okay, now I want you to take care of other people. Can I suggest to you, you will never find the true fulfillment in your life until you're finding out why God put you here, what your purpose is, and then getting into that, stepping into that purpose. This morning, God has a plan for you. I started off with that. He's not finished with you. You haven't realized everything that God has for you. You don't have to understand the entire journey. You don't have to know the turn by turns or even agree with it or think that that's how it should go or this is the way, the path it should go to just begin. Remember, The disciples went through this whole thing with Jesus in the flesh. And it wasn't until the very end they go, aha, I understand it now. The same way I've got to trust my GPS, I've got to trust God. Or maybe you would say that you've got off the path. This morning you can begin again. Just close your eyes. Bow your head. This morning, Jesus is still saying, follow me. Whether that's the first time or it is 
encouraging you like me and the disciples, hey, make your life make a difference for other people. Or maybe you got off that path and you feel that tug to say, it's time to begin again. See, that's a personal decision. But that step, whatever your next step is, is the greatest opportunity that's waiting in front of you. And it's personal between you and God. But if that's you, and you want to be a part of that, and you want to get begin again or begin for the first time, I just want you to say this prayer with me. Today is your day. See, I'm just going to help you with the words. It's really between you and him, but oftentimes people go, I don't really even know what to pray. You just talk to God like you talk to your friend. That's you today. Say this with me. You know, I say it out loud. It's between you and God. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. I give you my life, my hope, my future. I just surrender it all to you. I come just as I am. I choose to follow you. I trust in you to reveal to me every step from today forward. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time or another time whether they're beginning today or they're beginning again. Lord, or someone else that has walked in there and they've stayed on the path, and Lord, they're feeling that tug saying, God's calling me to follow him, to go deeper and to go more and to make my life a difference for others. Lord, I pray for all of us that you will show up at our house. You'll show up in our thoughts. You'll show up and answer our prayers. And reveal to us what our next step is. Lord, help us to realize the more that you have for us. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray.